On Pop Culture Confidential, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists Michael Resendiz and Walter Robinson, director Tom McCarthy and actor Mark Ruffalo, on the Boston Globe investigation into the Catholic Church abuse scandal and the Oscar-nominated movie Spotlight. I know there's things you cannot tell me. But I also know there's a story here, and I think everybody will hear about it. Do you think your paper has the resources to take that on? I do. Do you? The Boston priest molested kids in six different parishes over the last 30 years. The church found out about it and did nothing. We haven't committed any long-term investigative resources to the case. No, we haven't. And that's the kind of thing your team would do. Spotlight. Guys, listen, everybody's going to be interested in this. Obviously, the church will fight us very hard. I'm trying to get some background information. I don't want you recording this in any way, shape, or form. Nothing. We understand you've settled several cases against the church. I can't discuss that. There aren't any records of any of these settlements. Nope. When you're a poor kid from a poor family, and when a priest pays attention to you, it's a big deal. How do you say no to God? Hi, I'm Christina Jorling-Biro. Welcome to this special episode taped in London with several of the greats in and around one of this year's most talked about films, Spotlight. In 2001, the Boston Globe's investigative team, called Spotlight, was responsible for exposing the systematic cover-up of child sexual abuse by more than 70 priests. The investigation detailed a pattern of abuse and cover-ups by the highest church officials in Boston, including the Cardinal, Bernard Law, who knew priests were abusing children, but just moved them from parish to parish instead of removing them. The series won the Pulitzer Prize in 2003. Now, director and writer Tom McCarthy has brought this investigation to movie audiences with the new film Spotlight, following the journalists and editors as they uncover the unnerving details of the huge abuse scandal and the secrecy and power of the Catholic institution. The movie is also a real masterpiece in the journalism genre, depicting legacy journalism with enormous attention to detail, and it's being compared to movies like All the President's Men. The actors portraying the real Spotlight journalists include Rachel McAdams, Michael Keaton, John Slattery, Liev Schreiber, Mark Ruffalo. They did enormous research, spending much time with their counterparts, almost becoming journalists themselves, following, researching, and asking their real counterparts all the questions. I started by asking actor Mark Ruffalo what it was like for him to research Spotlight journalist Michael Resendiz, who basically won a Pulitzer Prize for research. And what surprised Resendiz about Ruffalo's process? It was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed up with, I mean, I, I must have had a hundred questions. I, I had so many questions. Uh, and they only led to more questions. Um, and he was so fascinating. And he was everything that I that I had hoped he would be. His, his work ethic, you know, why he did what he did, what his relationship was to it. Uh, how he lived, you know, what his worldviews were. Uh, Did all his research surprise you? Well, what I learned from Mark is not only is he uh, the greatest actor on the planet, but he's also an incredible reporter. I mm-hmm. mean, he basically he reported on my reporting, and he reported on me, and uh, he even discovered things I didn't necessarily want him to know because he is so good. So lately I've been telling him that uh, 
you know, if he ever gets tired of the acting thing, you should come over to the Globe and, uh, and we'll, we'll have a desk for him on the Spotlight team. I had really, I had good resources too, though. Spotlight team leader and editor Walter Robinson is played by Michael Keaton. And it turns out the Ron Howard movie, The Paper, starring Michael Keaton, is Walter Robinson's favorite movie. It was because he played a Metro editor. And, Michael Keaton. Yeah. And Michael Keaton mm-hmm. did. And in 1994, when that film came out, I was the Metro editor of The Globe. Mm-hmm. I love that film. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. and But I, I love all his... He's a great actor. And uh, uh, he's uh, just can take any role, and, and, and he's a master. You're an editor for the Spotlight team. I prefer to think of myself as a player coach, but yes. Are you familiar with Spotlight? No, not particularly. Well, we are a uh, four-person investigative team. We report to Ben Bradley Jr., and we keep our work confidential. I asked journalist Mike Resendiz about what they found during their investigation about the culture of the church and how this was allowed to go on. There's a line in the movie where the priest says um, he fooled around a bit with the kids, which seems like sort of nothing. Um, Can you describe a little bit what in your investigation, this culture that you found, the culture of the Mm. Catholic Church that allowed this to go on? Mm. Well, it's an all-male secret culture. And I think for that reason, uh, it uh, invites... uh, people, uh, men who have uh, sexual problems. And uh, it's a way for people with sexual problems uh, to hide. And I think that particular scene uh, does get into an interesting issue, which is uh, many abusers have been abused themselves. It's uh, an interesting uh, phenomenon to study. Unfortunately, uh, you know, the results are uh, horrific, sometimes passed down from generation to generation. But the point here is that all of this is, is concealed and in fact uh, protected uh, by the Catholic Church until uh, we came along and and exposed uh, the cover-up. And now we're so grateful because uh, this wonderful movie is giving our work a second life and letting people know how this system operates and how it needs to be changed. To Spotlight editor and team leader Walter Robbie Robinson. What rattled you the most during the investigation? You know, it's it's a funny thing. Uh, I mean, what rattled us the most, obviously, it came quite through in in the film, is the extent of this and the extent to which the church and the cardinals and the archbishops uh, made it possible, enabled it, and covered it up for decades. The one thing, and, and this isn't really in the film, that disturbed me the most... Uh, in going through the thousands and thousands of pages of documents we got was that never, ever in any of the documents did any of the bishops or the cardinals or the priests when they wrote inter-office memorandums or memos to one another about this priest abusing children or that priest abusing children, not ever did any of them express any concern Mm -hmm. for any of the children who were victims of this abuse. Mm -hmm. That's what sickened me the most. Mm -hmm. And has anything happened since... Well, in the United Enough. States, there have been reforms. Uh, many of them have come, shall we say, at the point of a gun. You know, mm-hmm. bishops uh, have made changes. Uh, grand juries have indicted some priests. Others have been defrocked. Uh, many have been sued civilly. Some dioceses and archdioceses have go- had to go into bankruptcy because of the costs of uh, settling the abuse claims. Catholics don't go to church as often as they did. Uh, they're, they're much mm-hmm. less uh, respectful of the institution of the church. 
they may love their individual priest and they love they, they love the liturgy and and they love the faith but they 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 understand that there are fallible human beings in charge of Spotlight director Tom McCarthy, whose films include The Station Agent, The Visitor, and Win-Win, is also an actor known for his incredible portrayal of a very unpleasant journalist in David Simon's masterpiece, The Wire. I talked to him about his feelings about writing and directing this film coming from a Catholic background himself. You were raised Irish Catholic. Mm -hmm. You um, were educated by Jesuits and an altar boy. Did you and your family have any idea of the extent of this no, I think like most Catholics, I think like most uh, people around the world, uh, it was shocking, the news. Um, not just the scope, uh, but the specifics of the crime and the cover-up. Uh, shocking. It was shocking to the reporters when they were investigating it. Mm -hmm. What did your, did your family say when you said you were going to write this movie? Uh... You know, I actually did sit down with them. I sat down with my folks to let them know because I knew they would hear about it from their community. They're practicing Catholics, and I just wanted to give them an idea of what I was doing and why. And when they heard, uh, you know, uh, my intentions, uh, they were supportive. Mm. Um, in the movie, you get the feeling that the, the journalists, that during the case, there was always this the power of the church. You know, they couldn't get out documents and things right. like that. Did you feel that while filming, especially on location in Boston? You know, I think that's the tricky thing. It's not always... Uh, so overt, right? It's not always an active pressure, but you sense it. Even when you're in Boston, even now, you know it's something that when you're when you're uh, talking about someone's faith, uh, they're going to take it very personally. It's a very sensitive subject matter. So we're aware of it, but it wasn't like we had any kind of direct pushback from any, you know, one institution. Keep in mind, there are certain institutions and certain groups uh, that didn't want to be involved with the film. They were just like, no, that we don't want to, we don't want to touch that. So uh, you know. And which groups are that? Well, like the New York Yankees. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. They didn't, well, we were supposed to film them in that Fenway scene, and they mm -hmm. said, no, they read the script, and they're like, no, this isn't for the New York Yankees. So uh, we're like, why not? So it's still And they're just sensitive. like, we just don't think it's appropriate material. Mm -hmm. That's their choice. Okay. Do you feel that the Catholic Church has done enough? No, I don't think you can ever do enough. I think they need to, they need, you know, they need to keep... Uh, 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 you know, uh, what's the right way to say this? Uh, look, it, transparency is one step, right? And the other is action. Mm -hmm. And they have to keep putting things, you know, putting action into place to make to ensure this never happens again. And, and I think that's, you know, the real activists on the front of even guys like Phil Saviano, who we mm -hmm. depicted in the movie, that's the rallying cry. Mm -hmm. It's not about, hey, what happened to us? It's about, we never want it to happen to another child. And what are we doing to make sure that doesn't happen? And um, the church is slow to change. They're slow to change. After the publication of the Spotlight Investigation, Cardinal Bernard Law, who was at the center of the cover-up, did resign from his post in Boston, but he was reassigned by the Vatican to a comfortable position in Rome at the Santa Maria Maggiore, one of the most significant basilicas in Rome. I asked Walter Robinson, today editor-at-large of The Globe, what the reactions were to Pope Francis' visit in the U.S. just last year. I mean, the fact that he would applaud the courage of U.S. bishops for the way they've handled the abuse I mean, suggests that he really doesn't get it. Mm. And uh, I, I think people still have pretty high hopes for him. Uh, I mean, after all, after he first became Pope, uh, he, he set an example of me trying to get the the cardinals and the bishops out of their damn limousines and to refocus attention on the faithful. And to the extent he can do that, maybe there'd be less abuse of children. But he still 
needs to do a lot more in most countries uh, to change the system so children are not put so much at risk. Spotlight is being hailed as one of the great movies in the journalism genre. After all, investigative print journalism isn't the most cinematic. But director McCarthy hopes Spotlight will shine a light on the importance of investigative journalism in a time when things are rough for print. And great newspaper editors like Marty Barron, today at the Washington Post, who when he came to the Boston Globe in 2001, was the real motor behind getting this investigation rolling. I started by asking Tom McCarthy how David Simon, creator of The Wire and a great journalist himself, influenced him in his filmmaking. This movie really, I think, is just retribution for the slimy journalist you played on The Wire. <laughs> and you're trying to take some penance here. It sounds here. like a distinct judgment. <laughs> um, but David Simon, what have you taken from him? Um... Well, two things. One, uh, yeah, his his uh, his respect, admiration, and and love for journalism, for print journalism specifically, and for investigative reporting, and um, it's just uh, it's incredible, uh, you know, how he conveys that. But also, he's just a hell of a storyteller. He's a really smart guy, and and uh, I love the way he, uh, you know, one thing he does, which I think we do in this movie or tried to do, was like he never, he doesn't, he expects the audience to come to the story. Um, he expects them to work a little bit. He doesn't pander them. He doesn't explain everything. He just keeps moving and uh, and forces them to engage and catch up to the story. And I think that's what we had to do with this film because there was so much information. Law had to know. That's why he had the reaction. Because he knew there were others. I think that's the bigger story. But the numbers clearly indicate that there were senior clergy involved. That's all they do. Indicate. Are you telling me that, that if we run a story with 50 pedophile priests in Boston... Mike, we'll get into the same catfight you got into on Porter, which made a lot of noise, but changed things not one bit. We need to focus on the institution, not the individual priests. Practice and policy. Show me the church manipulated the system so that these guys wouldn't have to face charges. Show me they put those same priests back into parishes time and time again. Show me this was systemic, that it came from the top down. Sounds like we're going after law. You've called Marty Barron, and I quote, a moral and ethical national treasure. Hmm. Would you explain? Well, that sounds pretty highfalutin. <laughs> I think it sounds very correct. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, the man, he's very impressive. You know, he's a very impressive man, and he's a great editor. And that is a great resource uh, for any newspaper and, quite honestly, for any country. Uh, that you need great reporters, but you need a great ed editor to manage and um, to direct. And uh, Marty's uh, success speaks for itself. Um, but to spend time and get to know the man and get to watch him work and, and um, uh, even collaborate with him to some degree, uh, you get a sense of just uh, that Marty Barons don't come around very often. We need what's going to happen now? Fifty percent of print circulation down. Yeah, it's a tricky time. Mm -hmm. I think what we need to figure out is a new model. People have to understand they have to pay for their for their news. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be for free. Um, that it's too important, and that we need uh, hardworking professionals delivering us our news. Um, that I think that's why this movie celebrates these journalists. I think it's why people respond to the film because they see really hardworking folks uh, doing what they do well. To editor-at-large, Walter Robbie Robinson, is he worried about the state of journalism today? Uh, I'm very worried because, it, it, certainly in, in the U.S., at most newspapers, uh, there have been pretty dramatic cuts in personnel. And, 
you can't, uh, at the Boston Globe, which has suffered fewer cuts, we're still down 40%. Uh, the staff is 40% smaller. And so by definition, you cannot possibly cover as much territory or do as much in-depth reporting. Uh, we still do a lot of investigative reporting at the Globe, but most newspapers have cut it out because it, they consider it an expensive luxury. Mm -hmm. When in fact, if you ask readers what they care about most, it's investigative reporting. Mm -hmm. And is that being done? Can are are you? What do you? How do you feel about Twitter and and you know citizen journalism and that type of thing? Well, I've tweeted about fifty six times in the <laughs> last five years, and uh, I'll continue to tweet about once every six months. I think Twitter is kind of a waste of time, mm -hmm. and I think actually people are beginning to catch on to that. I hope, but but look, I mean, we do our journalism, and we we uh, consume our journalism a lot differently now. Uh, I think what's missing, uh, what's gone missing, is a lot of more of the more in-depth reporting in, in in most areas, and that's that's sad. And to Mike Rizendi's and Mark Ruffalo, it's quick responses to both of you. You're a legacy journalist, and you who've been studying it now, you can just give a quick what your thoughts on sort of new journalism. A few examples: citizen journalism and Twitter. Well, uh, I think they're both uh, great developments. I mean, I, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot, and you know, everyone talks about how you're limited to 140 characters, but people link really long stories to mm -hmm, their mm -hmm. to their uh, Twitter uh, messages. So I think it uh, serves a purpose. I find a lot of stories I wouldn't have seen without Twitter and citizen journalism. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that, but I think uh, uh, it's great that uh, average people have an opportunity to uh, get on the internet and uh, express their views. Sean Penn interviewing El Chapo. Well, I, th I think Sean Penn has expressed some regrets uh, about the interview, so I think I'm just going to leave that one there. And finally, I wanted to ask legacy investigative reporter Mike Resendiz. When Mark Ruffalo came on board to portray him in the movie, had he uncovered the new term to be Ruffaloed? I never uncovered that term, no. It's in fact Mark, will you explain? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, uh, my son said, just sent me the Urban Dictionary uh, definition for ruffalo. Oh, and, that's great. And it's, um, it's, I think, I've always thought it was something that was uh, bad, that seemed like bad luck, but in, when you live with it long enough, it, all of a sudden you realize it was good luck. But, um, but it's, it's, it's taking a person who seems kind of marginal, maybe someone you wouldn't like, and, and making them likable. Well, then I'm, it's an honor and a pleasure to be ruffaloed. <laughs> See, that's any, what I was doing. Without any doubt. Thank you so much to Tom McCarthy, Mark Ruffalo, Mike Resendiz, and Walter Robinson. And very good luck at the Oscars coming up soon. And thank you for listening. Please visit popcultureconfidential.com or follow us on Twitter at podpopculture. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, music by Carl Boy, and produced by Renee Wittestedt and myself. I'm Christina Jörling Biro. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greeny. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. 
how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but say, you know. We're talking uh, about sustainability, <laughs> maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the guilty green. <laughs> There's your first challenge of the week. <laughs> Avoid elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. That's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green.